You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little... Or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to an almost last of the season sharing socks. I am Southside Sox duty geezer Lee Allen. With me, my son and West Coast correspondent, Will. And uh, we are really getting down to the wire. And I really want to dedicate most of this to the pitching for the playoffs, which is looking really, really, really serious at this point for the White Sox. Houston's got its own problems, but the White Sox have, have more of them. But... I just wanted to bring up one thing that I've noticed in the broadcast the last couple of days. We're doing this Wednesday, uh, rain out day, storm out day, incredible wind in Chicago, uh, probably also in Detroit day. Uh, after the Sox have dropped two to the Tigers, have gone under 500 since the All-Star break. Tigers are they're the best team in the AL Central since the All-Star break. Amazing. Um, you may not have much for A.J. Hinch's uh, ethics, but he apparently can manage a little. Uh, one thing that's come up in, in the broadcast of the last few days, really the last couple of weeks, that I wanted to mention, Stoney and Jason have been in incredible agreement with the two of us that the three true outcomes is boring, that we've got to get back to baseball to succeed and have a future. It has to get back to people on base and running around, but certainly there were Tuesday night, there were Everybody was on base. They just didn't get to score. <laughs> um, but they have been hampering, uh, uh, hammering on that all, all summer. And then it just recently they've been going, well, you got to have home runs. It's home runs. So look at this. How the White Sox have two home runs. We win 87.9% of the time, whatever the stat is for that. And last night they got into a situation, man on third, less than two outs. Well, that's why managers want people who can strike people out. 
he's a this is for Detroit situation. He's a he's a pitch contact pitcher, so they want some, but they like some, you know. They really have switched what they're talking about in the need to go back to they call old-fashioned baseball. You can call it geezer baseball if you want, of, of people getting hits and getting on base. And yes, the Sox yesterday had 150 hits and 14 walks and scored three runs. But that was just pathetic. <laughs> That's what that amounted to. But it just seems to me that they're they're going into a, well, maybe maybe they're striking out everybody and hitting home runs is 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 okay, I guess, kind of thing. Well, for me, uh, I, I definitely am, am I'm not sold that they have changed how they feel about the game. Uh, I definitely have noticed that kind of rhetoric as well, but I really think it's more um, just based on this is the game. This is the game right now. It's the three true outcome game. I don't think either of those announcers like it, but we're not doing the things you have to do if you're going to play in this era uh, because we love pitch to contact pitchers, I think Jason and Steve love that as well. Our guys strike out a lot of people. They, yeah, yeah, of course they do. But in this scenario, you know, there was a guy throwing who's pitch to contact, and the game does not reward that as it is right now. The way everything is, and and with these three true outcomes, if you're not striking out the guy in that scenario, it's no good. It's not going to help you. And when it comes to the home runs. Say what you will about them, but the White Sox score jack squat when they don't hit home runs. It's, it's a shocking difference, that statistic of the White Sox with two, with even a home run, but two home runs or more in a game, they're almost unbeatable. And less than that, especially no home runs, we almost never win a game. So I'm, I'm less, uh, suspicious of it. I, I do think it's possible that, uh, you know, what you're kind of saying is that someone at NBC Sports was like, hey, can you stop talking about how baseball is boring? Um, <laughs> but I, I think ultimately it's just, look, this is the game. They're calling the game that we're trying to play, and we're not doing well. We're not doing well at all. You, you mentioned being under 500 since the All-Star break. Under 500 and just not, not not losing close, not winning close games, not playing well in close games. I just saw somebody today put up on the comments of, of one site, one Sox site, of the three teams with the worst records in one-run games. I think it was Baltimore. It was two horrible teams. I think Baltimore and Texas and the White Sox. Yeah, the, the worst White records Sox, in one-run games. The White Sox in one-run games are are absolutely abysmal. I saw the I watched a little bit of the Mariners uh athletics game the other day and the Mariners are 32 and 18 in one-run games, which tells you a lot about their success this year and and what kind of success it is and how it's, you know, it, they're in that fun spot where they've got a team that's overachieving. Um but one-run games are crucial. They're crucial. For baseball. Baseball is often decided by one run. It is, I mean, look at the Mariners, 50 of their games have been one run. And that's, you know, almost a third of your season. The White Sox can't win those games. They can't win them. It is mind boggling how they can't win them. They, they Especially have to- with, with now two future Hall of Fame closers. <laughs> and they can't do it. Well, if, if Craig Kimbrell keeps it up. He's he's writing his uh, 
he's writing himself off the ballot uh, as he, I mean, come on, let's, uh, I'm going to go on the tangent about this now. The Kimbrel trade is just looking like a monumentally horrible decision. Forgetting five or six years of Nick Madrigal, Cody Hoyer, since the move, who's not pitching well for the White Sox, since the move has outpitched Kimbrel tremendously. He has been great for the Cubs. And anybody's great for the Cubs. And honestly, it's not that we, you know, it's not that people were like, oh, Hoyer's no good, so let's get rid of him. Everyone's projection was that Hoyer was going to be great. Before the season started, there were talks about Hoyer being traded for Corbin Burns. You know, a trade that if I could go back in time, I would make immediately and also throw in Adam Eaton and we'll still pay his salary. Uh, but it, it, what Hoyer's doing should not be a surprise to us. We should not be sitting here going, oh, well, we didn't know Hoyer was going to be so great. We kind of knew he was going to be good. And then also Nick Madrigal, who we know is going to be good, you know, maybe not modern day baseball's version of good, but great guy to have on base when your big guys come up. And if you're going to have a guy, I feel, I think, and I think a lot of people agree, Nick Madrigal is going to be a, a lifetime 400 on base percentage guy. He just is. He's going to get on base. His two strike hitting, his two out hitting, he's just as good as they come. And while he's not going to hit a bunch of big home runs and stuff like that, he is going to be a guy that's going to be in this league for a long time. The Cubs now control that fate. Hoyer, who was, I, I think, wrapped up until 2025 or 2026. 26, 26, actually. <laughs> Talk about another guy who is, and you know, I don't know that Cody Hoyer is going to be good for the next five years, but there's certainly a chance he's going to be good for the next five years. And now we're looking at Craig Kimbrell, who at this point, I don't put on the postseason roster. And that is the sign of an unsuccessful <laughs> Mid-season trade. I'm pretty sure he's going to be on the roster. But the Kimbrell thing, Kimbrell's been odd. Obviously, he was a super closer for a long time. Uh, but, you know, he was terrible in 2019 and 2020. He was very bad. And then he came back to start up this year with the Cubs and was excellent. The Cubs may have a really good pitching coach. I don't know. Uh, so he, he was excellent in, until almost the minute of the trade. <laughs> and since then... Well, you know, it's also been terrible. I, I get that he's been pitching a, a decent amount against the AL Central for us, but you know, when you start your year playing uh, Pittsburgh, <laughs> a whole bunch, a Cardinals team that was completely lost early in the year, uh, a Reds team that was not good until about midseason, there's a reason Kimbrel probably looked pretty good for the Cubs this year. I don't dislike Craig Kimbrell. I, I think he is an interesting guy. I think he's a really nice person. I love watching the videos with that little kid who was doing the, the Kimbrell arm. Yeah, that was great. I love seeing his interaction with the kid, and that was you know really great. I, I, I don't think Kimbrell's a guy we shouldn't want on our team, but it's it's not good. It's not good. About $16 million worth next year. Yeah, and then you add in the fact that Kimbrell comes over and Liam Hendricks starts throwing like crap because 
you know what they always say. There's a reason every captain, every ship has two captains. There's a reason we have two presidents in the U.S. And there's a reason you would have two closers. Uh, no, wait, no, bad idea. All around, all around. And it's just, it's, it's not a fit. It didn't make sense then. And I'm sure a part of me was on this podcast was saying, oh, I'm interested in this. This is interesting. But I definitely have always thought, why do we have two guys who have the exact same job? And you and I are very vocal of, we think, the idea of the closer and there's just this guy who can only pitch the ninth inning with a short lead is kind of stupid. But these guys have spent their whole careers doing it. So when you take them out of the ninth and out of the high leverage and put them in the seventh or the eighth, it's different. It's different. It's different to pitch in those scenarios. And Kimbrell has not pitched well in those. And then when he goes to pitch in the ninth, he has not pitched well. I'm not as worried about Hendricks. I think Hendricks is still going to get it done for us in the playoffs. I, I just think, I just think his energy and his, uh, his drive and his ambition to, to win playoff games is, is going to get us there. And not to of say, of course, that- we have to have the lead in the ninth inning of a playoff game. And I'm beginning to wonder about that. Um, that, I think that's very much a question. Oh, you, you mentioned Seattle one-run game. Scott Service, my manager of the year in the in the American League. What they have done is just phenomenal. <laughs> they, they're not going to make the playoffs, but to chase this late into the playoffs uh, in in their situation, um, I know it's I know it's, it's a rare. down year. And and then their their rookie that was supposed to be great, gone for the season. The, the guy they were going to bring up hitting 050 or something. They're getting it done with with who? <laughs> yeah, I I pretty much just watched that Mariners game the other night to try to see if I knew anyone <laughs> knew anyone on that squad. And of course, they have Mitch Haniger, uh, and they've got Kyle Seeger. So they're they're not just a bunch of guys who haven't played before, but they're almost just a bunch of guys who haven't played pro ball before. I I don't think that MLB has ever followed a trend of giving manager of the year to overachieving teams necessarily. They tend to give it to a team that we thought was going to be pretty good, but ended up being very good. Uh, but my two manager of the year, and I'm I'm taking the cheating politics out of it, would be Scott Service and A.J. Hinch. And I know that it makes no sense for a third-place AL Central team to have the manager of the year. But that Tigers team at the beginning of the year was a team we were making jokes about them losing 110 games. That is a team that was supposed to be laughed out of Major League Baseball. We were making relegation jokes about the Orioles, the Pirates, and the Tigers at the beginning of this True. season. Absolutely. And the Tigers aren't bad. They're they're not bad. You you play against them and you you lose to them and you're like, well, that's stupid. We should have beaten the Tigers. But it's not like that's a bunch of guys who who aren't going to be on the squad in a couple years because they suck. These guys are going to be good. The Tigers in two years are going to be our division threat for sure, a hundred percent. They are rebuilding and they're rebuilding well. They have and they've done it. You know, it's supposed to be done with the with the great young pitchers. Yet they lose one of those to Tommy John, and the other one they have very smartly. And this is where I really get on. And, and once we come past the break, I really want to. Yeah, that'll, that'll be our, our main story of the night. Yeah. On, pitcher, on pitcher use. 
Casey Mize, they've all been shut down. He hasn't thrown as many as 90 pitches since the end of June. Uh, in September, they're taking him down. And they're not shutting him down because he's hurt. They're doing it because he's a young guy. They don't want to overuse him. They don't want to ruin him for, for future years. And, of course, they're not in the position they're going to be in the playoffs anyway, so they can afford to do that kind of thing. But they're playing well without that. Unlike what has happened with the White Sox and what could have been a disastrous situation, and, and we'll find out more about it. And we should probably get to that, maybe take a break and come back and get into that. Because I, I looked up some stuff on our starting pitchers and the Astros, and it's not pretty. Well, I just want to I just want to say one more thing about the the Tigers and us versus the Tigers. Um, Benetti and Stone were talking about the Tigers and this young squad and said that they mentioned at one point in the broadcast that the Tigers, when we next see the Tigers as a playoff contender, it's going to be because of pitching and defense. And I think that is a really great thing that anyone's even saying about a baseball team right now it's like saying an NBA team is great because of their defense you know defense has been taken out of the game so much with the three true outcomes uh it's just exciting to me that the future of of our biggest competitor in the AL Central are soon to be is going to be really defense and young pitching focused and I I think I I made the mistake of looking up uh defensive fielding data on the Astros and the Sox. Sad. That was a mistake. Astros are probably the best in baseball. Yeah. And and the Sox are below average. Of course. Absolutely. Not not, not abysmal, but below average. However, I will say we are below average with a constantly shifting group of guys who have been playing all over the place, often in positions they don't play. Yeah, and we've got first baseman playing left and right field both on some days. So, so, so what I will yeah. say is, but right before we take the break, in terms of our defense and our hitting, we still have never watched a full throttle White Sox team play out there. Uh, so I'm not as concerned moving into the playoffs about the offense and the defense. I think there's a really good chance that those things are going to light up and we're going to see some some pretty cool stuff. We've got Angle back. We're going to have Robert out there. Aloy is starting to look like he's potentially an okay fielder. Uh, I think the infield will lock it down a lot more uh, during the playoffs. You, It's really, I think, I'm not as... Hernandez confused. has been very shaky. He has. He has. Although he had a, a really nice play yesterday. Um, but yeah, I'm not as concerned about that. I am concerned about starting pitching. We'll take our break. And that is exactly where we will pick up moving forward. Uh, Stay with us. We'll be right back on Sharing Socks. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. 
You got this. Adidas. All right, welcome back to Sharing Socks. We spent the uh, first half of the podcast just sort of uh, recapping, talking about some all-around baseball things, some divisional things, a little bit about our bum record since the All-Star break, which is very bum. Uh, Not not Aaron Bummer, but it is bum. And uh, now we're going to talk about starting pitching, which is a major, major issue. And if you are sitting at this, listening to this podcast and saying, these guys... Why, why do they think the starting pitch is not going to be good? They never talk about these guys getting overworked and falling apart. And then we'll say, actually, listen to every episode for the last three months, uh, and you will be corrected. But, uh, Geezer, what do you got? Uh, yeah, talking about the overwork, you know, I, I have been harping on the 100-plus pitches for starting pitchers, uh, where the Sox had far more than anybody else last time we looked was a couple of weeks ago. They have now been surpassed. By the Phillies, that's, uh, yeah, by the Reds. The Reds have been second before. Well, they're desperate. The Reds are desperate. they got to run their starting pitches all they can. Uh, Sox are at 43. The Reds are at 44. The Astros, highest of probable playoff teams, are at 32. Now, part of that is, you know, if your starters have not been doing that well, they come out earlier. But the Carlos Rodon situation, I think, points up very bad misuse of pitchers. Stoney really went on this from day one, from spring training. You can't use your pitchers as much. They didn't pitch as much in 2020, the shortened season. They're not going to be in shape to go full season. Carlos Rodon pitched 40 innings in the last two years combined, 41 or 42. And, and he's at 127 this year. And boy, it it's, it's, can be desperate. He leaves a game for general soreness. He didn't want to talk about it. Uh, they're saying things like, we hope he's ready for the playoffs. If there is no Carlos Rodon, because Keichel is gone, just wipe Keichel out. He's not starting against a good team and getting anywhere. And I and I looked up Lopez as a possible substitute coming in there. He's not been doing well lately. He had that great game against the Cubs. And since then, I think this month, 13 runs and 14 innings, just not getting it done. Uh, Rodon is absolutely critical. And I looked at all the Houston games. We're two and five against the Astros. Oh and four there, two and one at home later in the, in the season, which is good. And Rodon gave up one run, seven innings, three hits, one run in a loss at Houston. Then seven innings, one hit, no runs in a victory in Chicago. He is the dominant pitcher. Uh, Giolito only pitched against them once and did very well in a home game, one, gave up one run. Uh, Lynn is famous for not being able to pitch against Houston. Look it up. That's fairly recent. Earlier in his career, he did well against them. But um, his one appearance, four innings, six runs, 2020, they hit 364 with an ops of 1.15 forward against him. Um, that's not a good situation. Keiko, we know, is there. Cease has his, as dominant as he, is, as he is against bad teams. Uh, he's pitched against them twice. Uh, first time gave up six runs and three and a third. And the next time, six hits and three runs and five. Where he, so he did better, but not, not well. Uh, if Rodon cannot pitch against Houston, Sox lose. Flat out Sox lose. 
There's no doubt about that. There, there really is no doubt about that. Um, just because we, we won't be able to go toe-to-toe with them if we don't have a third guy who we can depend on. And, the best one against them. Yes, exactly. Um, I mean, if I were in the manager's position for the White Sox right now, I would call up every schlub I can, and I... Once this division is clinched, which will hopefully be tomorrow, I would not pitch one of those guys again for the rest of the season. Any of them. And we're only talking about 11 days or something like that. You can go without them. Home field advantage is not going to happen. It's gone. It's gone. It's not going to happen. It's done. I would not throw Carlos Rodon one more pitch before the playoffs. I would not throw Lance Lynn one more pitch before the playoffs. I would not throw Lucas Giolito one more pitch before the playoffs. Because you're talking about, you know, Rodon has thrown 127 innings. Well, it's worse than that. Because these guys are the most inefficient starting pitchers in all of this. We we went through that last week. And it got worse this week. Oh, yeah. We went through it last week and it got, it doubled in how bad it was of guys who were leaving in the third inning with, with 89 pitches, you know, it's to me, that is the most mind boggling thing about this pitching staff. I don't know what the hell Ethan Katz is doing and telling these guys, it's okay to take, to get to a hundred pitches in three or four innings. I mean, you absolutely can't win a playoff game throwing like with that kind of inefficiency. When do you ever see that in the playoffs? Of a team that's winning in the playoffs, when you ever see starters throwing a hundred pitches in three or four innings, you don't. You don't. Inefficient pitching is bad pitching. I don't care how many guys you strike out. If you are a starter and you can't make it past three and two thirds because you've hit ninety-one pitches already, you are not a good starter. And I don't care if you struck out all eleven guys you faced in that time. It's no bueno. It's no bueno. And they are in real big trouble if these guys don't find some sort of efficiency before we start. And I think a big part of inefficiency is being completely freaking gassed. I think it's tough when you're Rodon and you're going out there and your 98-mile-an-hour fastball is now 92. Well, when you're throwing a 98-mile-per-hour fastball that's now 92, one, it's way more hittable, which is going to make you want to do what? Keep it out of the zone. That is problematic because that means you're going to go to three balls on almost every batter. And I'm not exaggerating because all of our starters do this. They go to three balls on almost everybody these days. They come back, get them at three, two, and they either get the strikeout or they give up a hit or the walk. And it is just detrimental to our pitching staff. It has been. I'm not so negative that I'm going to say it's too late. But if these guys continue to pitch through the end of the season, it's too late. It, it, it's I, I, I would disagree with you on, on shutting them down. I, I think that is too far because they then have to suddenly, you know, funk back up again. No, uh, no they can. Less, but, I, but I think a very, very low use and maybe no use of Rodon. But, but for the others. No, Rodon, you cannot pitch Rodon again. You cannot pitch him again. He could he could end up in surgery before the playoffs start if you pitch him again in the regular season. You have to let that guy rest. You have to let him recoup. He should be 
he should go on the 10-day IL today. And so he can come back for the playoff series because he is, you can just tell, so close to a season-ending injury. And if that happens, we're done. With the with Giolito and Lynn, shut them down. Don't pitch them again. You don't pitch them again at all. You have them throw bullpens. These guys know how to pitch in a major league game. They don't need to get one more start in against Cleveland. Like, you, you shut them down. You have them throw their bullpens. You have them rest for 10, 11, 12 days. I don't care. These guys have nothing left in the tank. They are out there. That's another reason the games are seven hours long. They have to, you know, they're they're going on a week of R&R in between pitches now. So uh, I would shut them down completely. It is a major, major problem, the number of pitches these guys have thrown. You and I have been saying it for weeks and weeks and weeks now. And unfortunately, this team has not stepped up enough to give us a big enough cushion to be able to manage them a little more because we still have somehow not clinched this division, which is absolutely pathetic in its own right. Uh, but I, I think it's a it's a huge problem. Houston, oh man, talk about a team that is going to make you pay for throwing too many pitches. They are going to make you pay. They're patient. They're, they got good bats. They're smart hitters. You go out there and they're going to make you throw. If you're not going to be fine in the zone, they're going to make you throw 100 pitches in three innings and you're going to be in deep, deep shit. Deep, deep shit. So home field is out of the question. Now it is just about getting the starters healthy and getting the bats going again. I I think in terms of our... A lot of the bats are are going... That's a strange thing because so many of the bats are going. I mean, Grandal's out of this world. Grandal's amazing. Howard is hitting very well. Moncada's hitting really well. Um, the, Tim's doing fine. Jose is still driving in runs the way Jose does. Uh, Hernandez disappointment. He's been he's been pretty poor. Uh, right field. We got Engel back. We'll see if he can hit after the long layoff. Leori's hitting 360 in the last. Yeah, Leori is an all star. Um, Aloy, uh, big problem. He's he's in a real funk, but he's got a couple of weeks to pull out of it. I, th- I think the hitting will be fine. Uh, well, and Houston and angle as well, giving giving Eloy and Angle a chance to to get going because yeah. once those two get going, that's when we become the unstoppable offense that we've been talking about this whole time. Well, you think they should have been more unstoppable <laughs> for the second half of the season when you get Eloy back and Robert back? Anyhow, that that's done and we gone. Almost, well, we almost never had all of them back. Because, you know, Aloy goes, comes in. Well, then Tim Anderson's gone. This team without Tim Anderson in the lineup is, (laughs) oh my gosh. It's just, you know, there is no flame under their butts when he's not in there. Uh, so even, even, even with Leori doing really well as his replacement. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's got nothing to do with that. It's simply about the energy that Anderson brings to this team. He's the face of the White Sox and, um, I, I do want to just heap praise on Yasmani Grandal right now, though. Oh, wow. Holy crap. I mean, he, he was actually, in terms of getting on base, as good as they, as good as you can be before the, before his injury stint. Now that he came back, he's also one of the best hitting catchers in baseball. 
Plus, he's still getting on base at an absurd rate. Still got the on base percentage up or over 400. I mean, he has just been absolutely outstanding since he came back. I'm glad he went out, glad he got that rest, you know, glad he paid attention to what his body was saying because he feels like he has new legs. He really does. He feels like his legs are, are fresh, and that goes a long way in October with a catcher to have fresh legs because the legs not only behind the plate, but when you come up to bat in a a three true outcome scenario, if you don't have legs, you're not hitting home runs. I think it's a still part of the reason Yon Moncada is sitting around the 15 home run mark or wherever he is. You know, he still has not fully gotten his legs back after that bout with COVID last year. We saw he, you know, he was barely able to run. He had no breath. His legs were disaster. Not his fault. Yeah, he had he had one this week where he hit what was a turned out to be a double play ball, but didn't really need to be where he kind of loafed it down to first base. And that's not him. I mean he normally is a hard as I can run uh all the time guy. So that was an indicator of something not not good. Apparently just very temporary because he's back and fine, but oh, uh, you talked about people getting time off. I think Rondell needs to be off. I know it's Zach Collins, and we hate to watch Zach Collins, and it's embarrassing to watch Zach Collins behind the plate. Uh, but I think he needs. I think Rondell needs to be kept fresh for the yeah. playoffs because he needs to catch every game of the playoffs. I think. Really- I think once uh, once they get this clinch, which again would hopefully be tomorrow. From that point on, Yasmani is only a DH. I, I uh, you know, but at least a day on, day off, like they're doing with Tim, that that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you you also don't want to have Collins catch every day just for the you know sake of your sanity and your your you know, pitchers, cohesion <laughs> as a team and your pitchers. Um, but you you want Grandal to primarily be the DH for the rest of the year in that in that scenario. Um, he keep him fresh, keep him fresh. Cause this guy, I mean, you obviously want him in the lineup every single day. Uh, but if you can, if you can put him at first or if you can DH him, it's a, it's a great thing to do. You know, we've only got 11 days left. Um, keep him fresh, keep him healthy. You got to keep the other guys in. They need to keep up their rhythms. Uh, we got to get a on track before the end of this season, which I think he will, you know, he's still just kind of, getting back into the groove. Andrew Vaughn, we'll see what happens with Andrew Vaughn. Um, and Adam Ankle, we need to get that back going. And again, I, I think we will. Um, it's already been a relief having Angle in the outfield. The uh, play at the plate, which should never have been a play at the plate, the one that's behind me. Uh, uh, the, yeah, should not have run. Yeah, yeah. Really didn't, didn't run, stop, started again. Really, again. really <laughs> stellar play, actually, by Tim Anderson on that play. Of, of getting that sort of errant throw and throwing off his back foot, uh, a perfect strike to Grandall to make that play. I mean, it, Scope was easily out, but if that throw isn't good, uh, he's, he's not. But the key thing on that play was having a great right fielder where Adam Engel played that ball flawlessly off the wall. It was in a, in a foreign park. Yes, exactly. It was perfectly played. If he does not read that ball perfectly, Scope, with his stops and starts, makes it all the way home. Now, it ended up not mattering because we blew the game in other ways. But at least at that moment, 
<laughs> at that moment, I yelled, I stood up, I cheered, and I thought, "Yeah, we're gonna be, we're gonna do this." Um, and of course, having Grandal back there being the one making that the uh, tag, it's just That's, he was even better on the, the the second play. We're talking about Tuesday night's game, the second play at home, where where Tim had the ground ball, where he again made a great play because he was running away from where the throw is and kind of had to throw behind him. Uh, and Grandal, legally, because he had the ball, uh, put his foot on the front of the plate. Uh, so, and I forget who the runner was, Badu? I, I forget who the runner was who could not score. Yeah. Uh, he came up with his mitt over the plate, but but not touching it. Uh, beautiful play by Grandal. Illegal if he didn't have the ball, but he had it. So, it well, was fine. and something that Grandal is so good at is that foot placement. He is as good as anyone in the league of knowing where to put his body on those plays at home because he he sets up with that foot there before he has the ball. Well, you're allowed to do that as long as the guy doesn't get there <laughs> while you don't have the ball. Yeah, true. And he is so good at reading whether or not he's going to have it in time and where he needs to put his body to get that tag legally. He is as good as anyone else. Those I, I firmly believe both of those guys score if Zach Collins is back there. Grandall is is just exceptional at making those plays at the plate. He is so, so good. If you're a young catcher out there, and I can't imagine a young catcher listens to this podcast, <laughs> but, if you, but if you are a young catcher out there listening you can spend you can spend hours watching Grandall's body when he sets up for plays at the plate because nobody does it better. Nobody does it better. He is he is absolutely incredible. His his IQ, his baseball IQ on on plays at the plate is truly exceptional. It's a beautiful thing to watch. It's the kind of stuff that drives you crazy when you're a runner and you're running home and you see oh he's got his foot there but he doesn't have the ball so this is good for me and then you think, oh, crap, it's Yasmani Grandal. He's about to have the ball. <laughs> and then he does, and you're a goner. Um, but that's all the time we have for this week. Uh, any final thoughts from the geezer? Uh, boom, 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 boom. Good health to Carlos Rodon. I think that's going to be the most important thing for the players. No kidding. Good health to all those pitchers. We're, we're with you, man. We know you've been worked to the – You've been worked hard after a pretty much off year. So, uh, yeah, health. But our manager's a Hall of Famer. That's true. He is. And he knows how to manage because uh, he's a Hall of Fame baseball person. Uh, anyway, that's all the time we have for today on Sharing Socks. Thanks for listening. Uh, we will see you next week for uh, what would be the final regular season Sharing Socks? Or would there be? Yeah. There might be one more before we play a playoff game. Uh, oh, before we play, yeah, the season over, but not, yeah, because yeah, yeah, you got a right. few days in there. All right, so we will see you for the penultimate uh, regular season edition of Sharing Socks.